This is an audio presentation of God First Church, Cheltenham, England. A community of Jesus followers, worshipping God first, proclaiming God first, and together living God first lives. For more information, visit our website at godfirst.org.uk. I'm sitting down today because I want this to be a bit of a conversation. Um, And so let me read the scripture. My title this morning is Let's Go Again. Uh, The word of the Lord came a second time. So the title is Let's Go Again. Let's read uh, Matthew 28 and then I'll tell you why I'm sitting on a chair. Okay, so Matthew 28 verse 18, really familiar verses to many of you. Jesus came to them, that's his disciples, that's his followers, his apprentices and said, All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. I want this morning to feel a bit like a conversation um, and um, as if it was like a family, you were to pull up a chair uh, and have a conversation. Now you're going to say, well, it's not a conversation because you're doing all the talking as usual I'm sitting and listening as usual. Uh, but actually, what I want to do is, um, on Wednesday, uh, we're going to have a together night, and we'll, we'll, a lot of the stuff I'm going to talk about, we're going to get in groups, we're going to pray, we're going to bounce around, there'll be a place for questions and stuff, and also in your groups, in, in a fortnight's time, uh, there'll be a chance to do that as well. Uh, obviously, we've got a barbecue in between, so you could talk about the barbecue, but I'm sure you want to talk about meat and other things at the barbecue, or vegetarian option as available. Okay, so that's what we're going to do. If you've been in church at all... Uh, you kind of know that the way that the, uh, it really generally rolls is that, that the leader of the church texts the biggest Sunday in September and kind of talks about the vision of the church and says, like, Vision Sunday. And um, it kind of works like, basically, what happens is nobody really knows what, what the leader's going to say at all. And then he comes down from Mount Sinai with these tablets of stone and says, this is what the Lord has said. And you all go, amen. And, and in one sense, that's kind of great because... Um, you get this kind of sense of certainty that the leader has heard from God. It's brilliant. We know exactly what we're going to do. And then you get this kind of sense of certainty. Uh, and, um, but actually, sometimes I think that we put our certainties in the wrong place. You know, we feel, well, oh, I feel certain. You know, faith is a cert- the certainty of things not seen. Oh, well, we haven't seen the future of the church, so we can put our faith in there. But I think sometimes uh, certainty is just overrated. You know, we can kind of say, I'm certain about this, I'm certain about that, and actually, we're not certain at all. You know, and, and, and you're then starting to put your faith in all the wrong places. You start to put your faith in, in kind of like, oh, Howard's confident about it, so it must be true, or, or whatever. And, and we get this kind of, we put our, um, our, our faith in all the wrong places. And I, and I want to talk a little bit about certainty, and then I want to talk about the things that we're perhaps certain or uncertain about. Um, I remember we in uh, September 2017, if you were around then, if anyone was around in September, t- hi, <laughs> September 2017, who was around then? A few of us. We did this, anyone remember this slide? Uh, anyone remember that? <laughs> we gave out these big, we, we gave out these cards and we had on it six, six goals, six, six big, audacious, bold goals that God was going to fulfill. 
Uh, how many did we actually hit? None. <laughs> and I sort of came down from Mount Sinai and I said, right, we're going to hit these goals. I was kind of nervous at the time about goals, but you know, some of the people in the leadership team, now we've got to have these goals. So we set these goals. And, and I think once, I don't know what happened, maybe COVID happened. Let's blame it on COVID. <laughs> Everything you can blame on COVID. I'm oh, sorry we can't answer your phone as a bank. It's COVID. Sorry, the government's a mess. It's COVID. You know, hey, we never hit our goals. It must be COVID. Uh, but I wonder sometimes if COVID shows us actually that we're silly to plan. Not, not silly to make plans, but silly to put our certainty in our plans. Silly to put our certainty in the plans. Uh, Proverbs says this, I love it. Uh, Naomi, as she's doing my PowerPoint, she, uh, checking the PowerPoint, says, that's a great verse. She said, many are the plans of a person's heart, but it's the Lord's purpose who prevails. So we think, oh no, we never hit any of our goals. That's terrible. What a terrible church. Let's keep quiet about it. Uh, but actually, God's still in charge. Perhaps we shouldn't put faith in numbers and timescales. And maybe that's not really what God is doing. Maybe our certainty about goals is in the wrong place. Maybe our faith should be in uh, the unseen. What's the, what's the unseen that we have our faith in? Let me just a quick question. What's the unseen that we have our faith in? God, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit. Yes, amen. Not this kind of vague idea that I've maybe got in my head or we've got in our head. You know, maybe we should put our faith in who God is and his big story, not our big goals. And perhaps I was looking at this kind of familiar passage and actually there's two things that Jesus tops and tells this passage with that we can be certain of. Let's read them. They're highlighted here. Let's read them in yellow. All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. We can be pretty sure about that. What can we be sure about? In heaven and earth, is that Jesus is the king. It says elsewhere in Hebrews, we don't see him as the king, but we believe he's the king, right? So we can be certain about that, can we? Yeah, yeah good. And this is lovely. Read the next one. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. We can be certain that God's with us. So sometimes the things that leaders come down and say, we're going to be certain about this, we're going to be certain about that, we can't be certain about that at all. So I've taken out what I normally do in September and i am put it here and I'm sat on a chair as a way to say, hey, look, look, let's just kind of have a conversation about that. So I'm not going to present some goals. I'm going to present some thoughts. And, um, and I've shared those with the elders and the core team of the church and I'll talk a little bit about who they are in a minute. Uh, so can you cope with that? Are you okay with that? Can you, can you mature enough to cope with a bit of uncertainty? Maybe we'll do that, maybe we won't. Well, let's hope we can do that. Are we good? If you're not, I'll carve it on stone, like Ed Miliband. Do you remember in the election, carved it all on stone? That didn't last about a week and a half, did it? Uh, nobody remembers that. We, anyway, I'd rather have him. No, let's not go there, Howard. Don't go there. Don't talk about politics. Okay. God first started 12 years ago. So when we talked about this, the core team, uh, the core team said to me, hey, just remind everybody where we come from. So we had a 10th birthday plan. That didn't happen because of COVID. Uh, this is what our website says. Our first Sunday was Sunday the 13th of September 2010. Who was there for that? Wow. A few. <laughs> well done. Yes, we should give them a clap. <laughs> Only because perseverance produces faith. <laughs> so that was brilliant. This is what our website says. Actually, we need to change our website. But um, in 2010, Howard and Naomi and family moved to Cheltenham, joined by 10 great pioneers from across the UK. And we began intentionally sharing life eating, praying, meeting people, and watching the X Factor when it mattered who won. We need to definitely take that off the website. Slowly, people from Cheltenham were gathering into new church that God was building. 
I, I remember about eight, nine months before that first Sunday, I literally sat down with a piece of paper. You've moved your house, you've got yourself sorted out, you know, our kids weren't in school, I think Naomi didn't have a job, I had a job, it was this church, but it didn't exist, and I sat down with a piece of paper, I was actually getting paid, it was, you know, you think that's the kind of job I want, isn't it, getting paid for something, that do something that doesn't exist, and I, and I wrote, I, drew, I, drew, I wrote Jesus on this piece of paper, and I thought, right, okay, and I thought a bit, and, I, and then I thought, okay, and I then I wrote the words, three words, community, discipleship, and mission. And I put them in a fancy diagram like this. Okay? Jesus has got himself off the center. I mean, we sing Jesus is the center, and I put him in my PowerPoint, and he ends up, Jesus is the center of mission. Anyway, never mind. There you go. You just can't get the staff, can you? It's my fault. Okay. And, and I thought about those things. And actually, I just want to say, those are still the things. Jesus is still the center. I, I, you know, you, hello, you are not the center. You're not the center. You know, I remember the world had a huge shock when Copernicus said that the earth wasn't the center. Everyone go, oh my word, we can't, you know, because why should the earth be the center? And we say, well, the sun's the center, but is the sun the center? Think about it. Center of the solar system, but it's not the center, is it? The sun's spiral. Actually, we don't even know what the center is, but we do know what the center is. Jesus is the center. This, this is his church, isn't it? It's not my church. It's not, it is your church, but it's his church, actually. He died for it. He gave it for it, gave himself for it. it. It's Jesus that we love. It's Jesus that we adore. It's Jesus that we worship. It's Jesus that we need. It's Jesus we delight in. It's Jesus we learn from. Jesus, tell me when to stop. It's Jesus we follow. It's Jesus we serve. It's Jesus we obey. It's Jesus we give to. It's Jesus we live for. It's Jesus we might even die for. Yeah? You could add loads more. Jesus is the center. This church is about Jesus. People say, why do you, talk about, why do you break bread every week? Because it's about him. It is about him. Lots of churches are not criticizing, talk about Jesus and other things. We want to talk about Jesus. We want to talk about Jesus all the time. I liked preaching about Jesus. Uh, In fact, we probably preach preach Paul's letters, not very often, but we preach Jesus loads, not because we don't love Paul, but we just want to preach Jesus. Amen? Then, Then in the first circle, I wrote the word community. At that time, I think God first was six people. I think Two of them are here. I think Andy and Stan were living in our house. And uh, we had... Uh, 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 no, we have seven people, wasn't it? Maybe you hadn't arrived by then, Stan. You'd broken your leg or something, didn't you? Yeah, I don't remember. January. January. You arrived January. And it was Andy Allen and our five, and the five Kellets. And we're in the house. And I thought, I want God first to be a community. Well, that was easy when there's six of you. You think, that's oh, great. Let's be a community. Let's be family together. Let's be friends together. Uh, let's uh, be together. And I, I was determined we weren't going to be an institution. Okay, hear this. We're not going to be, we weren't going to be an institution where you attended occasionally. Yes, that is a little dig. Attended occasionally, coughed off a few quid in exchange for services that we'd provide and professional care when you need it. We weren't going to be that. Belonging was going to be organic. We're going to make friends by being friends. We're going to be loved by being loving. We're going to care for one another by caring for one another. We're going to eat together and share the gospel in our lives, as Paul said. We're going to be discipled by discipling one another. We were going to be family. I said to Andy when he came, I said, oh, it's great you've come, Andy, because at least then it won't be just an old gits church, not that my wife would have, she'd have gathered a few youngsters. But I said to Andy, it's great you've come because there's going to be some younger ones. And we were going to be married and single, and we were going to be rich and poor and confident and shy and from Cheltenham and from the nations and from Yorkshire and from the comfortable south. We were, we were going to be kind of all sorts of people. And the reality is when we first started... 
you know, if you were the only person in your 20s, it's like, ah, where are, they, where are the other 20s going to be? Look at them now. If you're the only old person, older person in this church, hey, you can't, you've got to be the, there's got to be the first person. And so we want to be people from all the nations. We tend to want to gather with people just like us. Uh, the, uh, philosophers call it the homogeneous group principle. Everybody the same. But church is not meant to be like that. It's meant to be different. You're meant to be with people that actually you like, who are like you, and actually people who are quite annoying. Hey, welcome. You're meant to be with me as well as you know, all your lovely friends. Sometimes somebody came up to me and said, what's the matter with you? And I said, everything I do, I do for the good of this church. And he basically said, well, you need to do better. And I thought, oh, thank you. We're family, aren't we? You think that's quite annoying. But, you know, life's like that, isn't it? We've got some people that are lovely and some people that are strange in this church. We've got some people that are confident and people that think, tea and coffee, I hate it. We've got a person in our group who doesn't, I just caught his eye, so I'm just adding this, not my notes, who doesn't like spicy food. And I love spicy food, eh? Whatever. We're, we're people from, we're a family, eh? We're a community. People still feel that, don't they? Yeah? And I don't think that's just because we're small, and we are very small. In fact, Jesse, the student, senior president, said, stop saying we're small, but we are still quite small. But actually, I think even if we get bigger and bigger and bigger, we still want to do that, don't we? We still want to be family. So next week, we're saying we're family, eat together. What, are you cancelling Sunday morning? Yeah, because we're family. Okay, second thing I wrote was disciples. Uh, I'd been on this journey in Manchester where basically everything I was counting was uh, A, B, C. You've heard me talk about this. A, attendance. B, buildings. C, cash. That's what I was counting. That's what I got my validation from. That's what I thought, yeah, we're doing well and we're not doing well. I hadn't really focused enough on what Jesus told his church to count, what Jesus told his church to be all about that was, was about disciples. We want to be followers of Jesus, eh? We want to have our lives transformed by his message and by his spirit. We want to be cross-shaped disciples of Jesus who say, it's not about me, it's about him. We want Jesus to be the core of our identity, inform our life decisions, shape our heart's desires, impact our daily habits. We want to be how we spend our money. If you've been around God first in the last six months, what have we been talking about? I asked the G1C leaders about this and they all looked at the floor. So uh, let's see if we do better. What, what have we been talking about? <laughs> <laughs> formed. We have been mentioning buildings, Dan. Thank you for your banter. It's allowed. I'm sitting on a chair. I like to banter. We've been talking about being disciples. We want to be disciples. We don't want to be non-disciples. It's true then. It's true now. We don't want to be non-disciples and think following Jesus, becoming like Jesus, following his teachings is options. We do, optional. We don't want to do that. I'm not saying there are other churches in town where that's happening. Please, no. We don't want to be those. We don't want a church that comforts itself that I'm a Christian without ever thinking I'm going to become more like Jesus. We don't want to become a, a church where we've got something more important to do than be with Jesus, become like Jesus, do the things that Jesus did. Amen? Amen. Why do we call the church God first? That would be a great idea, wouldn't it? I remember talking to a guy from Trinity. He said to me, um, I think your church name's weird. <laughs> I said, well, I can't call it Saint blah, blah, can I? Because we haven't got a saint particularly. And then I remember catching a coffee with him a bit later and said, I really like your name. I really like your name. He says, when people come at Trinity, they kind of think what it's about. And he said, but when they come to God first, he says, it does what it says on the tin. Remember that old advert? The paint does what it says on the tin. We want to be God first. We want to be God first. We want to be disciples. 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 Amen. Third circle, I wrote mission. I feel now, I feel it even more today. This world needs Jesus, doesn't it? This world needs Jesus. You need Jesus. This world needs Jesus. 
the people like sheep without a shepherd. It's all over the place, isn't it? People don't know what to think. We get the, the Supreme Court in America, uh, you know, and, and some are cheering and some are booing, and some are saying this is, this is about this and this is about that and this is about women's rights and this is about this and this. And it's just complex. Don't worry, I'm, I'm pro-life in case you're worried. Yeah? But it's complex, isn't it? Life is complex. People don't know what to do. You get, uh, you get the, the World Swimming Association saying, actually, if you're a trans man, you can't swim with these. That's complex, isn't it? It's people's vulnerabilities, people's thoughts, it's real people. But how do you do it? And they're talking about them. They're saying, we're going to trust the science. But then people say, but what about victims? The world is complex. I'm not, I'm not making comments on those. I'm just saying, isn't the world complex? I was talking to Roger Whittacombe's lovely friend of ours, uh, the vicar at St. Paul's, and he said, pastoring pastoring a church these days is so incredibly difficult. So much harder than it was 10 years ago. It is complex. People don't know. They don't know who they are. They don't know about truth. They don't know where to find satisfaction, meaning, purpose, forgiveness, acceptance, love. We comfort ourselves by owning more stuff and chasing more experiences, and we need Jesus. Jesus is the answer. He's the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus has entrusted us with his mission to share the liberating truth and transforming love of Jesus, to play our part in God's big story, to make all things new. And I've kind of ummed and out about kind of God first. We've never had a vision statement. And I'm not announcing one now. But if I did, if we did have one, it kind of be like this. The thing is, you keep adding things. I even added something as I wrote it down. But how about this? Let's read it together. God first, a spirit-empowered community of Jesus' disciples living for God's gospel mission. You could add a two there after mission two. Yeah? But you know what I'm saying? That's what we're doing. If you think, what's this church about? It's community, it's disciple, it's mission. That's what we're about. And Jesus is the center. Okay, we moved to the Parabola in 2014. And each year after that, we've grown steadily. Here's the graph. If you know me, I like a graph. Here's a graph. Here's a graph. So that we were about 70 adults. This is Sunday attendance. As you know, there's only about two-thirds come every Sunday. No dig, but comment. Okay, and then we were like 70, 90, 95. This is Sunday morning. Then 120. Then we had a little dip around 2018 and 19. I think that's when Christopher joined. (laughs) Oh, sorry. That That was a cheap shot, wasn't it? That was a cheap shot. No, that's when I went on sabbatical, so... No, whatever. I don't know. And then we were, we, things were going super. 2,125 adults and kids on a Sunday morning. That kind of equated to about 140 adults and about 40, 40-odd kids. And then something happened, didn't it? Boom. And I've, we, it, our numbers dropped. We, about 60 people left God first in that time. About 60 people over that kind of 12, uh, 12, 14, 16 months, 60 people left. Some just left because that's what happens. You, they find jobs and go back to America and, you know, they find, they, do, they kind of do that. Something's happened. Some, some people find, go to other churches. You know, some of you come from other churches. Some go to other churches. That's kind of life that happens. But there's a kind of, a, quite a large bunch of people just ghosted out. I don't know what they're doing. I don't know if they're going to church. Sometimes bump to me, into them in Tesco's. That, oh, sorry, not Tesco's, Morrison's. I don't know, Aldi. Bump into them in Morrison's and they kind of don't, they look at me sheepishly and they don't know what to say and I just go, hi, how you doing? Give them a hug, whatever. 
You say, where are you going to church? And they're just, nothing. We lost 20% of our income during that period. 45,000. But amazingly, 50 people joined us since pandemic. If you've joined since pandemic, wave. Whoa. I mean... I mean, the people that were there before are lovely. <laughs> but you are really lovely. I mean, you know, I'm looking, I'm thinking in the middle of pandemic, what is it going to be like? Are we going to have a church? You know, everyone says, let's open back up. And I think, is anyone going to be there? And then people popping out and th- joining us and think, wow, some just lovely, amazing people. So as we, come, as we emerge from pandemic, it, it feels like that God has presented us with another blank piece of paper. The first thing we're going to write on it is community discipleship and mission. And that's what we've done. We've, if you've been back, we've, we've tried to build community. If you've been back for a while, we've talked about discipleship. And it feels like we're almost ready to go again on mission. We're ready to reach out to become all that we're called to do. Rigby Wallace, who preached here about patience. I don't know where he preached about patience. Obviously, he knows me really well, so he probably preached about patience because of that. Uh, he said this at our recent Advanced Network conference, the gospel advances on two fronts, the outermost parts of the earth and the innermost parts of our heart. We want that. We, want, we don't just want to uh, form our lives and habits and practices uh, by being with Jesus and being shaped like him. We also want to fulfill, make that flow out into the nations. Jesus spent spent three years with his disciples teaching them. He said he called them to be with him and then sent them out. That's what it says in Mark. And we want to be those who spend time with Jesus and are shaped to be like Jesus, but we want to be sent out. And I was praying and thinking about this, and I I felt God prompt me with the words of Jonah. I don't know if you know the the story of Jonah. Uh, The the word of the Lord comes to Jonah. He says, "Um, no, thank you. I don't know if we said no, thank you or not. I don't know if God was saying that. Word of the Lord came to Jonah. He says, I'm not going to, I'm, I'm, I'm going to go. In fact, we were, brag, brag, on our little holiday. We were in the town, Joppa, uh, Jaffa, just by Tel Aviv, where actually he bolted and got a ship. He gets a ship, runs away from God, and there's a big storm, and then he has lockdown in the belly of a fish. <laughs> and then what happens is vomited back up on the beach. And when I reflect, I think, that feels like what it's been like to be a church leader. It feels like maybe I, 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 there were times where I wanted to run away. You know, a third of church pastors uh, in the States, I don't think there's any stats for the UK, it might be worse, uh, have given up in COVID. They think, I'm done. A third of pastors, I'm done. And I felt times like, I'm done, I don't want to do this. Like, and then you kind of lock down in the belly of the whale and you think, well, that's, actually it's quite nice. I enjoy playing table tennis and not doing my job. And then you kind of vomited back out onto the, oh, right, now you're doing it. And it feels like we're ready now. It feels like we're ready um, to hear the word of the Lord a second time. Actually, there's a whole sermon which I cut out about the word of the Lord comes a second time. It comes to Abraham, it comes to Jeremiah, it comes to Peter in Joppa, it comes, it comes to um, Ezekiel. Word of the Lord comes a second time. There's a, and God does that. It's not like he doesn't give up on you. It's like he doesn't say, all right, you, think you, were, you were aiming for these things, it didn't happen, okay, you're done. I think God says sometimes, hey, come again, let's go again. Let's go again, let's go again, let's go again. And so I thought, actually, unashamedly, let's use this logo. Is it there? Yeah? But we're not going to give you goals this time, I'm just going to talk randomly about these things, okay? 
So I'm just going to talk quite randomly about these things. Some of them are fairly concrete. Some of them are like not so concrete. Some of them are concrete that we'd like to have, but there's no way we're going to get unless we do something about it. Okay, right. So let me just pray. Father, I just pray that as we talk about some of these kind of ideas about how we can grow and go and give, Lord, that, that we'd understand, Lord, that you're coming to us a second time. But we're not changing what we're called to be, to be a community of disciples on mission and with you at the centre, Jesus. But Lord, we say we want to become all that you've called us to be. Lord, but I don't know what it's going to look like. I don't know what the building's going to look like. I don't know who's going to lead these groups. I don't know want to do this, that and the other. We don't know. But Lord, so we come and we sit at your feet and say, Lord, this is your church. Would you build it? Would you build it, Lord? Lord, we take the pressure off and say, Lord, come now and do your thing. Thank you that you're the king who's got all authority in heaven and earth. We trust you for that. And thank you that you promised that you're with us and we know that you're with us, just like you're with every church that loves your name in this town. We say, Lord, be with us. Let us feel you with us, changing us, leading us, transforming us. Amen. So the first one's a long section, is about leadership. We want to grow in leadership. Um, we need to grow in the gift of leadership. Now, our society's got a crisis of leadership. When you think leadership, immediately thinks hierarchy. It thinks org charts with somebody at the top. It, it thinks that leaders sit at the top of that pyramid, pyramid that they've got all authority, that they, well, I need to be careful now, but they can do what they want. They can say what they want. That they're completely unaccountable. That they, they, it doesn't really matter how you do. That, that leaders can, can run their, 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 their business. They can run their organization. They can run their church for their own benefit. Um, and everybody else, and the job of everybody else, is just to do as you're told. And that's what we've got with leadership. We've got this, we've got this crisis of leadership. We've got leaders who think that they're, all, that they're right at the top, that they're unaccountable, they can do what they want, and all their job is to tell other people what to do. And the leadership's all about their benefits and none of the costs. And leaders are the ones with the loudest voices and the biggest egos, and they're sadly often the most flawed characters. But that's not the way of Jesus, is it? So when you think about leadership, rethink. I'm not talking about that kind of leadership. Whoever your favourite non-leader is, I'm not talking about that kind of leadership. Jesus showed that leadership authority is gentle and lowly. Say gentle and lowly. Gentle and lowly. Gentle and lowly. That means he associates with us. He's not working with the elite Father, Son in heaven, and Spirit in heaven. No, he's doing what his Father always does, which is give himself away, pour himself out, take himself down. His leadership's about sacrifice and servanthood. Cross-shaped leadership lays down its life. It flows from the uh, life of the risen Jesus. Now, the way leadership works at God first, and hold your kind of prejudices if you've got some, uh, so... The way that leadership works at God First is that first we have an eldership team. So I'm going to say thank you to three elders. Tom, stand up. Steve, stand up. Christopher, sorry, I apologise for one before. Please stand up. These guys, these guys are tireless. Christopher gets paid and I get paid. Fair dues. These guys got to get paid. They're absolutely tireless in serving this church. They love you, they care for you, they ring you up, they have you around for dinner, they're up early, 
praying for you on a Friday morning. They go to bed late having seen you when things are difficult. They're generous with their time, with their money. They take up their cross daily. They want God first to be the best church it can be, not because they're going to get anything out of it, but because they love Jesus. So let's give these people, these guys, a round of applause, yeah? Amen? Thanks, boys. You sit down. And now Adam Stanton, a little dark horse. Adam Stanton's been here from the beginning. He's been sitting in with the eldership team. We'd, it would be a lie to say that we've been training you. <laughs> we haven't done any intentional training. I mean, but you've been sitting in and watching us for good and bad and for ugly. And, um, and I think there's... We thought about um, who's been just so faithful and solid over years, who's loved this church, who's unassuming... Who just who plays in the he plays his base, never grumbles. Who's there for you, loves you, cares for you, and who's we just thought we want him to sit in with us. Now we've had other people sitting with us, and they've said no, it's not for them, and we've said it's not for them. But actually, we've got to come to the point where in September we we think um, it's we're going to bring Adam's name before the church uh, for him to be an elder of the church. So. Uh, so he's not an older yet. There's still time for him to change his mind. And I'm not asking you your opinions yet. That is coming in September. But we just want to honour honor this guy. He is absolutely exemplifies. He's not the loudest voice or the biggest ego. He's, he's self-effacing. And, and when Stan prays, heaven sings. You know, sometimes when I pray, people think, Howard, that's long enough, just one idea in your prayer. Yeah. But when Stan prays, you just think there's just a depth of knowing Jesus so I just want to commend Stan to you, and we'll do, talk about Stan a bit later. Hey, we want to grow. Um, we want to grow. Um, uh, so yeah. So, uh, so sorry. So we've got a core of a leadership team alongside that. A core leadership team. This has been a bit undercover, but I thought now I want to bring it out into the open. So the core leaders are uh, elders. Tom Bradbury, he's away today. We love him. He's allowed a holiday. Sophie Clements, she's away today. We love her. She's allowed a holiday. Ben Gatley's in the house. No, he's away today. He's allowed a holy. Naomi Kay, you're in the house. Yeah. Uh, Joanna Moat. She's on kids. Brilliant. Uh, Adam, you're in the house. Okay. <laughs> so that's our core team. And what we want to do is we want to make sure that, I mean, if, if you look at the leaders, you think great leaders, but if you think we've got all the gathered wisdom in the church, you're wrong. You know, it's nice if you think that. I know it's hard when I'm so clever and so well thought through. You tend to think I've got... But actually, we haven't got all the leadership wisdom. There's a lot of, of, of strategic wisdom, and we want uh, that to be uh, involved. We'd like more ladies on that team. We'd like more ladies on that team. So although we have male elders, and I know that's countercultural, but we feel that's our biblical conviction. We could talk about that another time, but actually we want to empower women to lead in this church. We want to empower women to lead in this church. Is that a good idea? We're good for that? We're good for that. We want women to, to, to lead in this church. Um, so I, I'm, my notes are all over. Hey, let's jump to that bit where it gives us a load of women. Yes. So you might think, ah, oh, Paul, he's really, if you read some books these days, Paul the Apostle, he's terribly sexist. You know, he's got a real issue with women. No, no, no. What The culture then, in ancient Rome, had an issue with women. Hugely patriarchal. Hugely patriarchal. Women were the property of men. They could be disposed of whenever they want. Kids could be uh, just checked out. Women could be 
raped and used as they want. That's what, that was acceptable Roman culture. Who changed all that? Jesus. Jesus changed all that. So Paul, when he planted churches, he's constantly encouraging women in their leadership. So Priscilla and Aquila, her name always comes before her hubby. Hey, uh, Mary and Julia and um, Trophina and Phoebe and Gina, uh, Junior, who's uh, one of the apostles, and Chloe and, say that one for me, Eudea and Tabitha, who's all called Dorcas. Women are mentioned all the way through in the early church. The early church was not just about one or two men. It's about women in leadership. So we've got a team of trustees. Go back there. We've got a team of trustees. It did have Judith, uh, Belle. Judith uh, runs Tick. Uh, She's not here today, uh, but super busy. So she was on that. But at the moment, it's all men, I'm afraid. So it's me, uh, Tom Bradbury, who's on holiday. Tom Foster, who's got COVID. Ben Gatley, who's on holiday, and Richard Stamp, who actually is an outside voice from Poole. He is absolutely lovely man, and he's a super, sh- uh, Kezia knows him, super sharp guy, and he kind of helps us do that. But we were talking uh, in our, uh, as trustees the other week, and we, we want women who are, uh, who've got st- that kind of, if, if you're a woman and you're involved in law or HR, and you've got the vision and values and culture of this church, we, please come talk to me, we'd love to. I'm not saying I'll make you an elder, uh, sorry, a, a, a trustee, but we want to empower you. Okay. So back where I was, I'm, I've jumped around. So just to be clear, that the early church, the first century church, was the first woman's rights movement. I've read this book uh, called The Air That We Breathe by a guy called Glenn Srivner, and he talks about that. It's really, really helpful. We want to, even though we've got a, a, a team of elders, we want a, a core team of men and women who shapers and changes. We want to introduce this thing called deacons. Now, I don't know if you ever went to a Baptist church. Um, the deacons were like the miserable so-and-so's. They didn't go to a Baptist church in the, when they were young. Yeah, one or two. The deacons like used to come in. I, I, I never went to Baptist church, but I've heard stories. The deacons used to wear these very dark suits. Uh, and they'd come in like, like this. And then they'd all, and they'd all sit on the stage in, on, like looking very serious. Nobody relates to that. was a good idea. I wanted to do that. <laughs> and so what happens? We thought, no, we don't want deacons because they're the miserable so-and-sos and they stop everybody doing stuff. But actually, the, what does deacon mean? Does anyone know? It means servants. We want people who are servants. And so we've talked about this uh, as, 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 uh, as elders and a core team. We want to appoint some deacons in this church. We want to appoint some men, some women who serve alongside the elders, and they're not above the elders, not below the elders, they're alongside the elders, but they've got specific giftings in specific areas. The obvious one would be social justice. How many times have I sat here, Steve looking at me, how many times have we said, we need to have work with the poor? I just don't have what it takes to make it happen. One of you might, and we'd like to make that a deacon role. If you've got specific giftings in certain areas that are are unique, we, we would like to recognize a deacon. That doesn't mean everybody that serves like in all the different rotors, we're going to make you all deacons, because in, in one sense you're all serves. We're going to, we'd like to identify that because it's a way of saying, actually, there's leadership roles beyond men and women. Oops. Leadership roles for men and women beyond elders. Amen? Man, I need to move on quick, don't I? Okay. Um, we also need to grow more God-first community leaders, so I'm still talking about leadership. After the pandemic... 
Uh, we had eight uh, God First Community Leadership Team. We looked around, I think Christopher who oversees this, looked around at everyone, and, th- and they all said, hands up, we want to carry on. How many words want to carry on? I think one or two. Most went like, no, I've done. I've done Zoom. I've led on Zoom. It's a nightmare. I don't want to carry on. So basically what we did is we stepped down all our small group leaders and we basically, can anyone remember? We had lots of free Chinese. You remember that? Yeah, it was good. Everyone said, when are we doing that again? Well, uh, if we had more money, we would. Oh, but you've got burgers coming. Okay, and you can make a contribution. But we ate together and we had time together and we had prayer and then slowly, slowly, slowly people kind of found found their feet and we uh, rebooted with six uh, small groups. Um, so Mark and Sophie Clements and Tom and Florence. I wish I should have told them to be here, but anyway, they're both away. So Mark and Sophie, as you need, similar names keep coming up. They're leading small groups. And then Adam has taken on leading a small group with Laura. So they're uh, leading a small group. And also, we've had people who've joined us since pandemic who are leading small groups. So Jan and Kezia are leading a small group. Tim and Panache... Panashi's uh, doing business in the States. Hey, Tim's here looking sad and lonely because he's had takeaway food for the last week. <laughs> and Daniel and Claire. Hey, good to see you, Daniel and Claire. They, they've just joined God first and are already leading a group. This is not a bus stop. It's not like you join the back of the queue and you work. You can jump right in. If you think, man, I've got what it takes to lead a group, you can jump right in. I mean, some of you might not have what it takes to lead a group, but some of you do. I always believe that God gives us enough leaders. He gives us enough leaders. Part of the problem is we don't want to do it. We want to, uh, Jesus said, I've come to... Uh, I need to get this right now. Jesus said, I've, I've come not to... No, no, be served. Not to be served, but to serve, yes. Where we want it the other way around. I want, we want to be served and not to serve. Is that correct? Is that how we want? Is that our culture? I, we, I want to be served and not to serve. Now we'll speak to, about, me, about that later. But actually, the, our culture is we, we, we want to be served and we don't want to serve. But Christian leadership is about serving. Saying, no, I, I, I'm going to serve others. And so I just want to thank you for those people that have stepped up and say, I, I, I'm going I'm to lead a small group. I'm going to lead a small group. These groups are the backbones of what we do. And the people that lead them are not service providers. Like, oh, we'll put on a meeting for you. And you can come if you fancy. Just pause for effect there. Jesus tells a story, doesn't he? A parable. He tells a story of a, of a man who has a, has a banquet. And he, off, he, he starts the banquet and he says, um, who'd like to come? And they all say, yeah, yeah, I'm coming, I'm coming. Cooks all the food. And then what happens is they all text in, don't they? One says, I'm going to, I've got a, a, a plow. I'm going to do that. One texts in and says, I've got to go home to be my wife. Slightly inappropriate text. Uh, one says, um, you know, I've bought a field, I need to check it out. Yeah? And Jesus says, why are they, why are they doing that? He says, and we can do that, can't we? We can think, look, the, the group is a service provider. The church is a service provider. It's not a family, it's a service provider. And these group leaders provide a service, and I'll go for fancy. Now, I'm not saying you can't be away. I'm not saying things don't happen. You've got meetings, you've got staff, you've got things to do. But actually, we're not, the groups aren't service providers. They're families. Yeah? I mean, if you're, a pe- if you're a parent and your kids say, I'm not coming to dinner tonight, that didn't work in our house. So I'm going to be in my room on my phone. No, you're not. Coming down. This is what we do. So try and make it a priority. Don't, be a- don't hear legalism. Hear family. Yeah? Hear family. Make it a priority. Make it a joy for these group leaders to lead. And guess what? Loads of people want to lead groups. They want to lead groups. They want to lead groups. We need more groups. How many spaces have we got? We've got at least four. 
And we got our eye on one lovely couple. I'm not going to mention their name in case they decide to bail. Uh, uh, maybe two. But we need more. We need more leaders. We need more group leaders. So if you can serve, we'll try and support you and equip you and do our best. But maybe the word of the Lord's coming to you a second time. Okay, next one. We need to grow in preaching and the prophetic. So I've preached over a thousand sermons. That might be slight exaggeration. It might feel like, oh my word, this, you're rolling them all into one. Man, time's going, I really in Terry up. Um, preaching and prophetic. I've preached over a thousand sermons and I felt God say to me during the pandemic, you need to train other people to do it. You need to train other people to do it. So I, I gathered a bunch of, pe- uh, of preachers and said, look, if you want to pre- preach, you want to come. So it was a kind of a wide group. A few people put their hands up to preach in, um, uh, in the summer. So Anthony Bradbury, we, John Daly, we, Daniel Charles, we, Panache. Excellent. We want women preachers. You're allowed. If you're women, you're allowed to preach. You just have to be okay at it. Um, just like the men, you've got to be okay at it. Not all of us are okay at it. Some of us are not good. But, you know, they're going to make their preaching debuts in the summer. So, guess what I'm going to say? Be there and support them. Yeah, be there and support them. Make sure that when they preach, they've got like, yeah, you're cheering them on and thanking them and saying that's brilliant. And also, guess what happens in the summer? Loads of visitors come in the summer. So be there in the summer and support them. We're going to look at the book of Psalms. The, th- the series is going to be real people, living God. Real people, real emotions, real situations, real praise, real lament, lament encountering living God. Are you good for that? Yes. Okay, great. So... We also, uh, you know, we believe God undoubtedly speaks through sermons, maybe not through fireside chats so much. We will get back to the Bible in a couple of weeks. But, but we also believe that God speaks prophetically. Uh, uh, we've been wrestling with this for a while now, that God speaks to us prophetically. And um, we've been kind of saying we need to write down what God says and we need to kind of reflect on it. But we've never quite got round to it. It's been something that we've been talking about, Tom, haven't we, for a while. We was like, oh, let's get down and talk to it. I had a lovely chat with uh, Tara, who's definitely got a prophetic gift we'd recognise. And she said, she actually put a word in it. She said, it's called scribing. I was like, oh, it's a thing. (laughs) Not just me scribbling it in my phone. So we want to write down the prophetic words because we believe that although God speaks in, in the kind of moment of the one word, actually... We believe that he actually speaks with, when he joins the kind of narrative of lots of words and think, oh, this is what's God saying. And so we're going to try and do that. Uh, we're still thinking about who's going to scribe and how we're going to do that. I, I wrote them some things down today. It was great. Thank you for contributing. And we want, you to, to, we want to encourage you to grow in that, in that kind of prophetic gift and that prayer ministry. So we're going to have a training evening on Wednesday the 13th of July, called Growing in the Prophetic. At the moment, it's just me. Uh, I hope, uh, I'm looking at Tara. I hope she's got something to say, but she's, she's a reluctant. She's reluctant, uh, but she's got lots to say about how do you hear from God and how do you, uh, kind of, you, know, how, how do you become a person that kind of hears God and, and sees, and we want to train you to do that. Are you up for that? Yes. Good. Thank you. In, Enos, I love you, because you, everyone else goes, Cheltenham, can I? Mm-hmm. And you go German, Yes. <laughs> Okay, moving on, moving on. Okay, so reaching out with the gospel. We've got an alpha course at the moment. We've got how many? I think there's six or seven people who don't know Jesus who are on that course. They started off with nine. It's been brilliant. Um, no one's crossed the line of faith, but we've got two weeks to go, so let's keep praying uh, that that happens. We're going to start a tiddler and toddlers group. Uh, and the reason we're doing that, we're going to do that at St. Andrews, which is just up here, the URC church. They used to have a Tiddlers and Toddlers group. Their Tiddlers and Toddlers group closed down. They asked us after pandemic, do you want to do a Tiddlers and Toddlers group? Me and Christopher looked at the floor. We thought we can't get anyone even to run small groups. But it feels like time now to run a Tiddlers and Toddlers group. Why are we running a Tiddlers and Toddlers group? Because if you've got Tiddlers and Toddlers, we want you to be able to have somewhere to, for you to, 
Did I say something funny then? Just keep going to the St. Thomas. It's all, it's, that, it wasn't me, that was all you. That was all you, bad, bad people, was it? Okay, one of the Tiddlers and Toddlers group. And the reason we want that is because we want somewhere you can come with more and more babies. Uh, Lanka had a, a little baby Joel uh, this week, so that's brilliant. And we've got lo- loads of babies and loads of Tiddlers and Toddlers. And so we want a place for them to come. We did do it previously in Bishop's Cleave, and that closed. And we're rebooting it. Uh, we're going to partner with the URC. They'll give us their building for free. Thank you, URC. And we're also going to partner with Family Space. Um, I spoke to Sarah Avery, and they're going to bring some of their expertise to that. But we're going to do that. But we're also not doing it so that you've just got a nice place to bring your tiddler and toddlers. I saw Kezia driving in a, with a car full of kids the other day. I was going to get in my... Uh, anyway, no, I was, going, uh, I was driving along, and I said, where you been? She said, I've been to Trinity Toddler Group. And then you see her another time. I've been to St. Matthew's Toddler Group. And that's great. You can go to all the toddler groups. But we want one, don't we? Why do we want one? A place where you can, be, uh, you can be with tiddlers and toddlers and you can have families together. But also, people who come to those find Jesus. Yeah? We had a place in, um, in London church that Stephen Terry used to go to with, uh, as we went to. We had a group called Rainbow. It was like the best toddler group in Lewisham. It had a huge waiting list. It was amazing. It was run brilliantly because Christians can do things well because they really care and really serve. And, and we used to run a, a, an alpha course out of that, and loads of people had their lives changed. Families were changed. Is that what we want? Yeah. Amen. Okay, Angela Thomas. Thank you, Angela. You've done just a great job, by the way, since you took over coordinating her kids' work. Lucy is probably out on kids' work, is she? Yeah. Oh, you're there, Lucy. Hello. Lucy was like such an amazing kids' worker. It was like almost impossible to follow you because you were that good. And so we divided Lucy's job into five jobs. <laughs> <laughs> And Angela took one bit of it, and we've built a brilliant team. And, um, and so Angela's kind of, if you want to play in Tiddlers and Toddlers, if you want to come and be involved, Angela's gathering the names. She's not going to run it, but if you'd like to be involved. So, yeah, do do that, won't you? Okay? And um, so uh, we're going to do this thing called Rethink. Time's going. Time is going. Okay, you can bear with me. I'm going to go quick. We do this thing called Rethink. Uh, I think that people out there just constantly being told what to think by the media. I don't know if you ever freak out. I'm I'm becoming annoying. I'm watching the telly and I think, why are we getting this now? You know, why am I getting this now? I'm watching watching this programme and it's this. I'm watching Glastonbury and it's this. Why are we getting this? Why are we getting this all the time? Constantly teaching me, teaching. People don't know what to think. And I've got friends in London that, that, that run a church and they've been doing this thing called SALT and they've been saying we do these particular evenings where, um, has Laura got to go? Sorry, I'm going long. I, I, I'm sorry. We did let start late. Okay, and so we're going to do this thing called Rethink, where we're going to say, let's have, going to get people from Cheltenham to engage thoughtfully in, in the big questions of life and meaning, satisfaction, hope, truth, sex, and identity. We're going to pull in some top notch speakers from Oxford Centre of Christian Apologetics, other people. We're going to get them in, we're going to have a meal, and we're going to have a big. Like, what's the big question? We're going to do that. We did it before. We had a guy called Lex, and we met at the Beehive, absolutely packed, and he asked the big question. So we're going to do that, rethink. So I, I don't know what the first one will be, rethinking freedom, and then a little bit. So that's going to be a chance for you to come, a chance for you to invite your friends to come, and a chance for, we'll do it on advertising on social media, a chance for people who are wrestling with big questions to come. Does that sound a good plan? 
okay, we want more social justice. I'm going to race through that because we need to care for the poor. We don't want to, want to go to just the, care for the people that go to Cheltenham Literature Festival and think about those big ideas. We want people who are struggling to pay their bills. Amen? We want to invite our friends on Sunday morning. We had, I was down at a church in Plymouth, uh, and they were our size before, um, before pandemic. They've doubled. And I said to the leader, what's happened? He said, people just started inviting their friends. I think it's okay to invite your friends. And people think, give me a reason. I'd love to know why you don't invite your friends. Uh, obviously, if, if you think it's because the sermons are too long, yeah, you can tell me that as well. But if there's any, any other inputs, it would be good. But why don't you invite your friends? Let's invite our friends. Let's invite our friends. So, uh, last two, two three. Um, um, we need to give. We need to give. When Naomi and I moved to Cheltenham, uh, we had, I had a prophetic word that, that the resources of this town, it's generally a wealthy town, right? Not everybody's wealthy, that's why we need to do social justice. But the resource of this town to bless others. And we've always given away way over 10% of our money. We got up to almost 20% at one point given away. We give to, uh, we've been given to a church in Dar es Salaam. We've been given to a, ch- a really poor church in, uh, um, near south of Durban where the guy came and preached here. We give to family space. We give to um, teens in crisis. We've given to church plants in poor parts of, 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 of Wales. Uh, and we want to we want to keep giving away, and so I just want you to, to keep giving. I want you to keep giving to God first. I want you to say, right, okay, where my treasure is, my heart is. God's heart is in this church, so my heart's going to be in this church. And as Tim Keller says, giving should cost. There should be a cross in our giving. That's why I think that when we originally designed the logo, it's got a hole in the hand. Because there's got to be a cross in the giving. It's not like your giving falls through, so you ha ha. No, it's about, because there's supposed to be a cross in our giving. So I just encourage you, let's, let's give. And let's get a building. Wouldn't that be great? Uh, I've used the Alpha logo. I mean, that building on the right is called the Roundhouse. Uh, I think they want three and a half million pounds for it, or two and a half million pounds for it. Uh, now just, you can do the maths. We've got 57,000 in our vision fund. So we need about 20 times that at least. But I think what I'd like to do is to start just building, building, building our vision fund building our vision fund. The truth is that although we don't believe that church is buildings, the world out there does. So the URC, everyone knows where that is, and they're sadly very small. I mean, we're, we're probably five, six, seven times bigger than people say, God first, never heard of you. Yeah? A building's going to help us. A building's going to help us do things and set things and create things and create culture that, you know, we're going to put better... Uh, you, use it to, to reach out for Jesus and so we want to do that so in September we're going to have special offering and we're going to have a twice a year special offerings into our vision fund into our building fund I mean to be honest I'd love as St Andrews to say we'll sell to you I mean I would I drive past for 10 years I've been driving past saying Lord give us that building and uh, you know you shall not cover your neighbour's building I do I'm sorry <laughs> uh, so we want a building don't we but the thing is, we don't know where it is, and it's hard to gather for, for, for a building when you don't know where it is. I think if I had a building, and I said, right, this is the building, then everyone would step in and go. But actually, Abraham, it says, Abraham, uh, Abraham when called to go to a place, he would let receive as his inheritance. That's something that God had given to him. He obeyed and went, even though, he, even though he did not know where he's going. We don't know where we're going. We don't know where we're going, but we need a building. We want a building. I would love it by the time I'm done leading this church, however long well that will be, you know, you can come and cast your votes later, not now, uh, you know, 
but I'd love us to have a building. Would you love us to have a building? I have given to buildings that I've never sat in. I've given money to buildings that I've never sat in. In Bath City Church, big cinema. I gave money and never sat in it. I gave money to a, a church, massive church, three million pound building extension in, 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 in Catford in London, sat in it for two weeks and then went. But it's about legacy. It's about saying we want this to go forever. Two more. Band, why do you come back? We're not going to be at a break bread today. I apologise. Unless you all want to stay in break bread. Do you want to stay in break bread? Okay, let's do that. Oh, fine, I'm going to move my chair. Last thing we want to talk about, last thing we want to talk about is we want a church plant. We want a church plant. I have spent the last six years training church planters, training people to start new churches, and I thought, no, we don't want to do that. No, we don't want to do that. It's too costly. We need the people, whatever. And then um, this last week, uh, somebody phoned up, said, I'm in X town. We're not going to tell you yet because we're not quite sure it's going to work. I'm in X town. I want to plant a church. And I thought, I want to do that. I want to do that. It's a town in Gloucestershire. And I thought, yeah, I want to, I'd like to do that. We'd like to plant churches, wouldn't we? Wouldn't we like to plant churches? Some of you are not so sure, are you? Don't worry, maybe you're just called to lead a small group. Okay? So we want to do that. We want to plant churches. That you, we might think, you, if you live in Cheltenham, you can feel this is a really churched t- town. And it is, relatively. There's town after town after town, round by us, down across the country, across the nations, where there's no Christian witness. We want to play our part to be there. Send our money, send our people. Amen? Let's stand. And the last thing we want to do, and first thing we want to do, is we want to be disciples of Jesus. So we're going to break bread together and say, Lord, we're in this together. I'm sorry I was long. Thank you, Gavin. Gavin said it was good. Yes. So there's just thoughts I've thrown at you. But we're sure about this one thing, that Jesus, you're on the throne. We're sure about this one thing, Jesus, that you're with us to the end of the age. We're sure about this one thing that you've called us to make disciples, followers of Jesus who love you or spend time with you, become like you, do the things you did, obedient to you in every way, to every tribe and tongue and nation. Lord, and we say we we align ourselves again around your table, say, Jesus, you gave your life for your beautiful church, for this church and the church in the nations. And we say, Lord, we come and thank you for you, that you've loved us, that your body's been broken that your blood has been shed, that we're no longer tossed around thinking, I don't know who I am, or I don't know about meaning and purpose and satisfaction, that we found life in you. And so we come and we eat and drink and we are grateful. If you're not a follower of Jesus this morning, it's not because Jesus doesn't exclude you from this table, but actually you've excluded yourself. You're saying, this is not my story. You're really welcome to stay in your seat. But I'd love it to become your story. I'd love for you to say, this is my story. I want some... I want a sense of meaning and purpose and value. I want to be part of this family of disciples on mission with Jesus. If you, I want Jesus to be the center of my life. You can do that. Come grab us at the end. For more information, visit our website at godfirst.org.uk.